everyone. Welcome back to the Where Your Feet Take You podcast. We are here to talk about triathlon, life, coaching, usually talk about Kayla's kids or my kids, um, answer your questions and anything and everything in between. We are Kayla and Erin and as always very excited and happy to be here. As a quick reminder, this podcast is supported by your questions. You can submit them at www.whereyourfeettakeyou.com slash podcast. Um, they are really helpful for us because they help us to just provide you guys the content that you want to hear. So thank you to everyone who has submitted and please, please keep them coming. I know you guys have them because I get them in my DMs on Instagram all of the time. So please send them our way. We want to provide you guys with the information that, yeah, that you can, that you want to hear. So if you are new here or haven't been here, um, this is one of your first podcasts. Uh, my name is Kayla. I am a professional triathlete, mom of two little boys, a triathlon coach, and mental performance coach. And then we've got Erin, who is an elite age group triathlete. She actually just got a notification that she's ranked number one for the U.S. in the age group 2024, which is super exciting, super cool. She's a swim coach and a triathlon coach uh, under Where Your Feet Take You as well. So, yeah, thanks, everybody, for joining us. And we have an exciting week ahead of us because it is race week. Woo! Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're kicking it off in the uh, northern hemisphere here, or I guess you call it the the Americas. Um, There's obviously been racing across the world. but in the U.S., we kick off this weekend with Oceanside and Texas 70.3. So Oceanside is the really big one that for has a really huge professional field. Um, Texas is one of my favorites that um, I won't be at for the first time. So the first time I haven't raced Texas 70.3 in like five years or something like that. Um, wow. Yeah, but we've got um, Where If You Take You has Julia, who is racing down in Texas, and then you and I are racing in Oceanside. So a really fun, really fun uh, weekend. So yeah, how are you feeling about it, Erin? You ready? Or as we can be? I'm excited. Um, <laughs> I've been struggling to get excited this whole season, really. Um haven't felt that fire under me since Kona, um, but luckily a week ago it just hit that I'm ready to go um, and excited to race until the start line. Um, so even though I might not feel 100% ready, I haven't done as much training as I would have liked to do. I know that over the years I put in enough work through swimming and then I a couple years of triathlon to really get going, even though training hasn't looked perfect. So yeah, I'm excited to get out there and race and see what I'm capable at this point in the season. Yeah. And I think, well, one thing we mentioned for you in a couple episodes ago is you're mentioning how you kind of came to this realization that your energy levels were really low due to not matching your fueling and not necessarily just in uh, training, but in life as well to the demands of the training that we've been trying to do. And um, 
I have noticed a bit of a shift in your energy. And so why don't we just update everybody, kind of give them an update. How's that going? Are you, are you feeling a shift in your energy? Are you, what changes have you made? Yeah. Walk them through it. Yeah. I've just been really trying to do a better job of fueling during my sessions and getting enough calories and during my sessions, even if they're only an hour, um, and just making sure I'm getting calories in there and then directly after getting in some carbs and some protein. Um, and I'm starting to see my workouts become a lot more consistent again and starting to yeah. um, just feel more like myself, both in my workouts and my everyday life. Yeah, because if I kind of look back through your training peaks, about three weeks ago-ish is when you really had that big realization um, as to the fact that your nutrition, whether you want to call it nutrition, fueling, diet, whatever you want to call it, was not matching what you were trying to do. And since then, you have become a lot more consistent. Your sessions, you're able to, re you're recovering after sessions a little bit better, um, or you're, you're bouncing back even mentally, I'm noticing a little bit better. So. I think that's a really good thing to know because we were, we were having you, right, right? We were training you for 70.3, which still requires volume and high volume, but we attempted something with you that we haven't attempted in the past, which is doing a little bit more intensity. And mm -hmm. I think you're right. I think you just were not fueling for, for the demands of what intensity can, does, takes on your body. Um, so it's a good yeah, learning. So good I'm feeling experience. good now. I've had, I've had some really good workouts this past week um, where I've been like on the bike pushing more watts than I'm used to with my heart rate lower than it's ever been. And I've been executing my runs pretty well. So I'm excited. So how are you feeling about the race, Kayla? Oh, man. I'll be very honest. I go like extremely bipolar with it in that I'm like super excited, super confident one minute and like, yeah, I can do this. I can compete at this level with these women. And then like 30 seconds later, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to get my butt kicked. Like I, do I deserve to be here? Am I going to be able to hang in there? I just, you know, I, I, it's kind of a little bit of a roller coaster of ups and downs as to how I feel about it. But overall, I am really just excited to race. And I really focus when I get kind of those like down moments with it of just being trying really hard to like, one, just take a deep breath, let it go and try really hard, you know, focus on me. Um, I, I've had a couple really good swims. Um, biking has not gone great lately, but I've been inside on the trainer and that just, after a while, it just gets really exhausting being on the inside on the trainer. Um, I've had some decent runs to the extent running hasn't been going great, but I think I may have kind of figured out a little bit why. Um, well, I'm not hundred percent sure if I figured it out, but been going mediocre, but I know I have a lot of confidence in my run. And I like look back at some of the times from last year of uh, the pro women for like the runs. And I know I can run those, some of those times to kind of make me competitive ish. 
So we're just going to go for it. I don't know. We're going to see what happens. I'm excited to race. And I think that's just where I'm trying to really focus is that race season is here and we're, you know, we're excited to be here for it. Um, and what, do you think you what comes of it comes of it. Well, so I switched shoes. I started wearing on running shoes because they were really comfortable and they felt really good on my feet. Um, but I've been running really slow and I just feel like I haven't had like a lot of like pop and get up and go with it. Um, and I tested, this is going to sound really silly. Like I'm like, I'm going to blame a pair of shoes, but, um, I tested out <laughs> their, their race shoes with so the cloud on cloud echo boom. Um, cause I have a really hard time with carbon shoes. They, carbon plates tend to be very rigid. And if there's not a good combination of cushion and to the carbon, um, and a little bit of give, then it really, really hurts my feet. So I, I have a self-diagnosed, again, I'm going to stress this, a self-diagnosed, um, Morton's neuroma <laughs> issue, which is, I'm stressing that because I actually didn't go to the doctor for it, but based off of my research slash talking to some people who've had similar things. That's what I think it is. But my, my feet really hurt. So like in between my toes, specifically on my left foot, um, there's, there's a nerve, the Morton neuroma nerve, and I'm not probably not getting this right. So any medical professionals out there, please don't hate on me for how I'm describing this, but it basically shuts, <laughs> doesn't shut down, but it like goes crazy. And it literally feels like somebody's chopping my toes off. Well, I tested out these shoes in my 18 miler this weekend and I got to nine, around nine ish. And all of a sudden it was like, someone was chopping my toes off and I made it, made it home and switched out my shoes and uh, I was like, okay, well, I can't wear those. <clears throat> and then was looking at, after I got home, I was like, okay, let's figure out why this is that way it is. And I kind of was looking, comparing previously I was wearing it, wore the Saucony Endorphin Pros. Um, and I've always, I loved them and they were fast and everything. And I was kind of comparing like the midsole and the cushion and the responsiveness and everything. And the ons didn't, they were like, you squished them and there was no give like super rigid, super like, like if you were imagining bam, bam, bam <laughs> against the pavement, that's, and that's how it felt on my foot. Whereas the, the Saucony Endorphin Pros had a lot more like squish. Um, so what I'm wondering, wanna... <clears throat> what made you want to try out a new shoe in the first place? Oh, 100% influenced by, uh, Instagram, hundred <laughs> percent fully admit <laughs> that. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Um, yeah, which, you know, it's one of those where in the pursuit of trying to get the most out of myself, I have been experimenting with other things such like shoes and different types of stuff on my bike and to see. And so it was just something I was trying and I am thinking that they just don't work for my body or my feet or how I run or whatever. I have, you know, mm -hmm. I have no idea. Um, again, I am totally just spitting bullshit here. Um, for those of you that are listening, but, um, <laughs> I have expedited myself a pair of the Saucony Endorphin Pros I know they work. I know they don't hurt my feet and I know that I run fast in them. So 
I don't know. We're going to see if that helps, you know, reinvigorate my, my, I don't know, everything. I just, yeah, I, mean, I haven't felt very fast ever since I switched this. They really do. I mean, if you're and not comfortable you in your shoes. Yeah, I just really feel like, so I'm that. a very, yeah, I'm a very, very high cadence runner. And I have felt, I have noticed as I switch that I feel like I just don't have that like ability to pop off the ground and like really engage my hamstrings and kind of, you know, drive, just drive. I have a lot less drive. And so I never really realized it. I thought maybe it was just something physiologically going wrong with me. But then as I started like this run, made me really think about the shoes I was wearing and that got me thinking about that and looking back. And um, so I have no idea if that's the case or not, but we are, yeah, we'll go back to those pieces. So I don't know, kind of a long winded example of, I now have a pair of shoes that are, but then I panicked and I have, <laughs> I expedited a pair of shoes from one company and another company because I couldn't get a straight answer <laughs> as to when they would arrive. And so I <laughs> have two different companies sending me shoes in hopes that they will arrive in time. And I have one going to me and one going to my parents. My parents are coming down and we're just fingers crossed that shoes arrive on time for me. <laughs> I bet they will. But <laughs> yeah, I think so. So, but yeah, other than that, um, yeah, very excited for the race. Um, it'd be a lot of fun to go down there. I, I've never done Oceanside before, so I'm looking forward to just racing and kicking off the season um, with what what everybody says is a really just great atmosphere and really fun race. So, um, yeah, we're we're gonna go have some fun out there, but. Yep. And then, cool. Alrighty. Well, anything else going on this week so far? No, not really. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> just getting ready. Just getting, getting I race have ready. A, a nail appointment. I have a nail appointment tomorrow because, you know, look good, feel good, race fast. Kind of exactly. <laughs> mentality before races sometimes. Um, so that's kind of just become like, my pre-race tradition is getting my nails done. Um, I don't know. <laughs> excited for that. I think that's awesome. I haven't decided hey, I mean, if I yeah, want racing's them fun. to match my kit, but yeah. <laughs> um, Ooh, but that's about yeah, it. You Anything going on decision. with you? No, we just, we had a good weekend. Um, we did some more packing. We have to have our pod packed up to move out get everything out of the house almost by right after we get back from Oceanside. Um, and we did some workouts, nothing too crazy. The weather was like very mediocre and very cold here this weekend. So we couldn't, there's just only so much you can do with the kids when it's really cold. Um, and so a little bit of packing, a little bit of training, a little bit of life. And then, yeah, it's Monday and uh, had a couple of appointments this morning Been having some issues with my, ever since I got hit by that car at Ironman, Arizona, um, which is over a year ago now, my, I took a lot of the brunt of that fall, that accident on my right shoulder. 
and it was really bothering me during my swim yesterday. And so I got a lot of work done on it today and it's, it's a little sore. I feel like I, I feel like I swam 5k today, even though I, I did not. So that's, that's always fun. I don't know. We're, we're well, working through it. Good thing. You like in this weird space where. And work on now. Yes. Well, yeah. And no, cause you don't want to do those too close, you know, to that kind of stuff where you can be really, really sore. I'm in this weird space with my shoulder where I'm like, should I get an MRI on it? Cause I'm still having a lot of issues with it. And it's been over a year. Should I not? Is it worth it? Like, what would I even do with that information? <laughs> I don't know. So probably nothing. Like I probably wouldn't do anything with it. I'm not going to get surgery on it because there's nothing that yeah. wrong with it, but I just have a lot like complete lack of mobility in it and stuff. So I probably should be better at my exercises, but we'll the, the my own personal issue. So <laughs> well, should we move on to some of our topics here? We have a couple questions. Let's and do it. A fun topic. So this one that we're going to start with is I figured since we're kind of like in this race week, um, race day type of topic here we're going I said let's kind of figure like let's say what our favorite race day stuff so I basically want to go through the, the, the main things that we use on race day and we'll just each share like do we have a favorite what's gonna be like favorite wetsuit nutrition shoes etc and just okay. semi-quick semi-explanation I don't know share our favorites so um, we'll do one and we'll each share and then we'll move on to the next. So let's start with the swim. So favorite wetsuit. Um, I think it's the Roka Maverick. It's my mom's. I had my own, but I didn't like it as much. So I just have her send me her wetsuit every race. And I think it's the Roka Maverick. Perfect. And you are swim skin over wetsuit kind of person. I am swim skin over wetsuit. And for that, I really like my blue 70 sleeveless one. Oh yeah, a lot of people but, like those ones. I have yet to wear the blue seventy one, but I've heard. I really like really it. I wear the. I like where the compression's located on it. It seems to hold up really well. Um, I think it's a really good swim skin. Awesome. So so this is actually kind of a fun one for me because I just tested. I got a sailfish sent me one of their wetsuits. It's the. Oh man, I don't even know. Uh, the G range, I'm trying to see it's hanging up behind me, the G range wetsuit. And so I tested it out in the pool this weekend to, to make sure that it fit and everything. And I have never felt so fast in my entire life. I swam without even trying a 15 minute 1k without even trying, like just cruising nice. that includes flip turns for me. Like that is amazing. For those of you that are fast, you're probably like 15 minute 1K. That's really slow. But for me, that's really, really fast. That's, I think it was like an average of 127 per 100 yards. And that's including like all the flip turns there. And for me, that's like super fast. And I literally got done and I was like, oh, I just ran 1K, no problem. So I'm really excited to try it on race day. See what it does for me. So, What are your go-to goggles? Oh, I love the Roka goggles. I have tried different kinds. I love their, I wear their really small ones for swimming in the pool because I have a super small face. 
but then I really like their that the R1 erasing, um, just the way that you can see works really mm. well for me. What about you? I like the Speedo Woman's Vanquishers. I think that's how you can tell who was a swimmer. A swimmer versus a non-swimmer, yes. Background. <laughs> yeah, as most of us, I think, still wear Speedo Vanquishers. It's just one of yep. the most popular goggles in the pool. And I just, I've tried triathlon yep. goggles, but I'm just so used to wear those fit on my face that I can't get used to anything else at this point. Right. Yeah, I get it. Nope. Um, awesome. Okay. So let's move on to favorite kit. And do you wear one piece or two piece? I know we've answered this before. And so for those of you that don't know, or maybe new to triathlon or don't really understand triathlon, a kit is basically your, you could call it a Jersey or your outfit. Um, it's, we call them a triathlon kit and it's a one, it's either a one piece a suit or a two-piece suit um, that has a chamois, a very small chamois in it for um, biking. And usually it, you know, kind of zips up in the front or the back, depending. Um, but that's just what they're called. So that's what we're talking about. It's like what we are wearing on our body. Yeah. I really like the Trace Pena sleeved kit. Um, but I like to go a couple size down, sizes down in it. I don't I think just from being a swimmer and having a tech suit that was really tight, I like racing in really tight things. So I wear Mm -hmm. extra small tri kit, even though I'm a medium in basically everything. Yeah. We, I'm also a Trace Penis girl. You and I are um, on their team. I have been wearing Trace Penis since her inception of creation of anything. Um, And I love her or one piece sleeved kit as well. I also size down in it. Um, I'm a small and everything else, but I size down in the, the tri kit. You don't want chafing <laughs> in a race <laughs> and baggy loose things are the antithesis of chafing. So I say I prefer tight. I think for me, it's like always been like, I grew up as a ski racer, right? So similar to swimming, mm. like your ski boots were super tight. Your kit, your um, speed suit was super tight. Um, so I'm used to that as well. Um, yep. So. Okay, next one. Do you have a favorite or what do you race on for wheels? So again, for those of you that aren't, aren't aware, a lot of times people use race wheels, which are a fully carbon set of wheels. They're faster, um, usually more aero, et cetera. I know you just bought a pair that you you like. Yeah, I mean, I have the HED wheels. Can't tell you their dimension or the numbers that go with them, but um, they're not like all disc. I don't know. I haven't tried any other race wheels, but I like them. I mean, I've had one issue with them, but that's just because I didn't know anything about going tubeless before racing tubeless, which was dumb. Um, and just didn't know I needed to keep the tire pressure up so that it become unseated. Um, but I like the wheels. They seem fast. So That's actually something I'm a little bit afraid of because I let the tire pressure go over the winter. 
completely flat <laughs> and I also raised tubeless and I re-upped them last night and I need to go check them to see if like anything has gotten funky because they can unseed if you let it go too low. You can ride a lower PSI on a tubeless and you can let them kind of get flat, but I let them get flat. So nope. we're hoping. And what I did was on the way to Kona before packing my wheels in my bike bag, I let the air go in one of them, which you do not mm-hmm. need to do, but I wasn't, don't, I didn't really know. Yeah. And I did it. And I mean, they were fine through my first few practice rides in Kona, but I think they started unseating at some point because around miles 80, mm-hmm. it just wasn't seated anymore. So that, yeah, no, you, but um, now I know. Yep. With, with tubeless tires, you can, because you can keep them at a lower um, PSI, you do not have to deflate them um, when you take them on an airplane. Tubed tires, you usually want to deflate because they can expand and everything, but seated or uh, tubeless ones, you don't have to. Um, I ride Irwin wheels, been riding them for a long time. I love them. Um, they're really great, fast, seem fast. So, um, okay, uh, big one, nutrition. What do we like on there? Any favorites? I love Scratch. Um, I really like scratch. Um, I love how their super fuel is 400 calories. I think a hundred grams of carbs in one bottle. Um, and it's, I found it just sits very well in my stomach. Yep. It's low glycemic. It's doesn't got a lot of weird stuff in it. So your body absorbs it really well. So I've really enjoyed that. Um, tried some other stuff but I don't think I'll probably use anything else because I love their hydration nexus too I'll use their chews however I really like cliff blocks so usually my chews I go cliff blocks and then on the run I really like the Everett gels which I think that weird about that weird gel stuff that I tried (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) awesome um, I am an infinite nutrition user. I've been using them for quite a few years. I love that it's a custom blend. Um, yeah. So awesome. <clears throat> well, those are kind of some of the ones I had. They're just kind of some of the bigger heavy hitters. Um, anything else you can think of that you really have to have on race day that you maybe didn't mention? I'm trying to think of what is something that I have to have. And um, um, Cycling cleats and running shoes. I mean, you've already gone through your running shoes, but what sh- cycling cleats do you use? Uh, I have speed plays. I tried switching to a different kind one time and I just didn't like it. It just felt weird on my feet. So I use speed plays um, and then running shoes. I will be racing in the Saucony Endorphin Pro 3. Um, I haven't tried the Endorphin Elite, so I'm not even remotely going to try them before this close to a race. So how about you? Smart. Um, I have... Or my pedals are the Favero Asioma pedals with the Kia look cleats. Um, oh, yeah, those I are good. I love those. Um, and the power seems to match up perfectly with the trainer feel-wise, which has been really helpful. Um, and then I run in the Saucony Endorphin Speeds because I have not felt ready to switch to carbon plate yet, which I will probably do before Portalane, but have not done yet. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think your body's probably ready for it. Yeah. So for those of you that are wondering, the reason we haven't had Erin switch to a carbon plated shoe is because she's not new to running necessarily, but newer to running. And she has a tendency to be, be fairly get niggles um, in kind of her hips and her back and her knee and stuff like that. Um, and with, you know, a carbon plate, it's a lot more rigid. You um, kind of change, you tend to be a little bit more poppy on your feet and so your gait kind of changes this tiny bit. And so we have been really working to build up just her body's tolerance to running in general versus, and so we didn't want to throw carbon plate in there until we kind of felt like maybe her body was a little bit more resilient to running from a muscular uh, standpoint and a structural standpoint and a nervous system standpoint. Um, Mm -hmm. And so really just focusing more on kind of creating some of that resilience with just her system before we even threw her into a carbon plate. Um, I would, and I would say, you know, I think we're definitely probably on that, on that route to being able to do it. We're, we're probably ready. Now it's more of a mental thing where, I want to know the work I've put in my running is why I think I'll drop time. I don't, which is stupid, but some of these, like, I don't want to put on the fast shoe and be like 15 seconds per faster per mile and just be like, oh, it was all the shoes. Like I didn't do that, any of that on my own. So <laughs> I'm like worried that yeah. I need to prove to myself that I can run fast first, but um, for quarterly, well, you can. I'm going to get you some carbon <laughs> plate. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I've had enough good runs now where I know I can. You've had enough good runs and your times have dropped. I would have looked, but I think you, we have we dropped about a minute per, are we down to almost a minute per mile now for your solid running? I think, like when you run I think so. I mean, fast. we started out, I think we started out like nine minute miles. Oh mm-hmm. God, well then we're, we're even faster than that because you can hold like 730s now um, right. for some stuff. We'll yeah, see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Haven't done it on race day, but hoping to be right around eight minute miles or faster at Oceanside, yep. which is scary to put out there. But that's the goal. If I don't do it, oh well. But putting it out there now, we're going for eight minute miles. Yep. Or put it out there. <laughs> yep. Heck yeah, I like that. The more you put your goals out there, and the more that you like, you know, shout it out to the world that you're going to do something. The more that you, the more that you do it or the more chance that you're going to do it because you have, you know, you're, you kind of put yourself on blast and saying, yeah, I'm ready to do this. So awesome. All right. Well, let's move on to the next question here. We had a question from uh, Sophia um, and she was wondering what our favorite fuel or food before early morning training, if any, we take any um, is, and then does it depend on what discipline and type of workout is that we're doing? Um, to make it, you know, yes, Aaron's nodding and I, I'm going to agree with her on that one as well. <laughs> um, so <laughs> what, what about you, Aaron? Favorite fuel before, I guess, how do you feel before a morning workout? Okay. Um, it definitely depends on the discipline and how long the workout is. Um, yeah. Before a swim, if I'm really getting up early, it's probably going to just be a bar. Um, but my swims are hardly ever longer than an hour. So I'll just eat a Bobo's bar. And usually that's enough to sustain me throughout a swim. Um, before a run, I'll usually do a banana and a bar and maybe some like toaster waffles. Um, 
I really like the um, like cinnamon toast Eggo waffles, which definitely is not very nutrient <laughs> nutrient dense. But hey, I found like I can carbs, run on them, fast. so I'll do that and a banana. Yeah, so um, that's been enough, and that's what I do. And then before I get on the bike, I can basically eat anything I want to, and I'll be fine. Yeah. So especially if it's a longer ride, I'll just try and get like a bagel down and banana with peanut butter mm-hmm. and anything I can. Yeah, some, something a little heavier. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I I am kind of very similar. Um, I definitely don't do any training fasted. Um, I I don't. And it's, you know, kind of my own personal opinion on fasted training, but I don't, I don't like it. I don't think it's good for women. Um, and I, I think it just keeps our cortisol levels way too high. And then which causes our bodies not to be able to utilize insulin appropriately. And, you know, what we are doing when we're training is we're trying to optimize performance and you just need fuel in order to do that. Um, now that doesn't always mean that you have to eat a lot. And I think that's one thing that people get really kind of confused on when we talk about like intermittent fasting or fasted training is that you don't have to eat a lot of food beforehand. Like, so you said like your swim, maybe you just have a, a bar that, that, that can do the trick sometimes of just like, Hey, breaking that, that, that system down of, you know, your cortisol levels being high overnight and just kind of getting that metabolism running and, and those pieces, um, so I'm kind of similar. I find I have to eat a little bit more before I swim. And I think it's just because I, I work harder. I don't know if I work harder. Or it's just not, I'm used to it. I think it's also has to do with the cold water. I have a, such a hard time in cold water, um, which is probably why, like, my my 5K swim the other day went so well because I wore my wetsuit for almost all of it and I didn't get cold at all. Um, when I get cold, I really struggle. And so if I don't eat before a swim and the water is cold, I really struggle. So I can kind of almost have anything. I usually have toast with peanut butter and jelly or bagel, peanut butter and jelly or yogurt and granola just kind of depends on what I have and how much time I have in the morning before I'm going to do that. Running a lot more, a lot more challenging for me. And usually what I have found is because the type of training I do is fairly challenging to an extent where most of my sessions are, you know, either longer or my runs are, you know, tempo pace or, you know, some race pace interval type stuff. Whereas my like easy recovery type runs, easy runs, or maybe I don't even have to eat anything for them. They're usually like late afternoon runs. Like that's not something I'm going to do in the morning. And so I usually always have to eat, which means I have to prep ahead of time and I have to give myself like two hours. Um, Cause I know that I'm going to need to eat you know, a decent amount, whether, you know, a full bagel or granola and yogurt or, you know, a oatmeal, a solid amount of calories. Um, and so I have to give myself the space for that. Biking, I can, weirdly enough, I can do biking with a little less calories because I consume calories almost during every single ride for the most part. Um, but I still have to, I usually have to eat something, but I can, I usually, you know, if I know that I have a bike first, I may even have that day, I may have eggs and toast. Um, that's kind of one of my favorites out in the morning. So it, yeah, really kind of depends, but I definitely need food before I do anything. So I have to often plan like a way ahead of time and give myself space. It's also why I don't do morning workouts very often. <laughs> What does your fueling look race day? 
morning? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I usually will have, I'll either have like a cup of oatmeal with peanut butter and a muffin, or I'll have a bagel and peanut butter and a muffin and a banana. Um, I try to get like anywhere between like 500 and 700 calories in. And I like to have like one thing that's kind of like filling, like, you know, oatmeal or a bagel on something a little bit heavier. But then I also like to have something that's really like a fast carb. Like that's why I said a muffin or a scone. Um, it's, you know, something that's going to hit the bloodstream pretty quickly. Um, and your body's going to kind of burn through it quickly, but it just, I feel like one, it tastes good and two, it just really helps like that. Um, and I usually will do that, um, at least three hours before I know I'm going to hop in the water. And then I will have, um, you know, maybe some chews or a gel or, a banana or something about 45 minutes before I know I'm going to hop in the water and I sip on electrolytes or water um, kind of throughout that entire time frame. Um, oh, I also have coffee in the mornings um, um, early just to wake, wake me up more than anything. So um, yeah, that's kind of my race morning. And I definitely, I, you know, I, I try to get a good amount of calories and it's a long day. You know, it's a really long day that you're out there for, whether you're doing 70.3 or a full distance Ironman and you're out there for a lot of hours, you need to, you know, get some fuel in you. So, um, yeah. What's your go-to? Um, I do oatmeal and a banana with almond butter. Um, and then maybe a bar just kind of depending. I have a really hard time eating on race morning, but I make myself eat the oatmeal and the banana and almond butter, no matter what. Um, I also do a cold brew, like right when I wake up to try and poop more than anything. Um, I don't have a hard time waking (laughs) up, but um, caffeine can usually run through me pretty quick. So if I can get a good poop out before the race, I don't really have to worry about mm-hmm. as much during the race. It's, um, it's smart. <laughs> it's an important piece. <laughs> um, the other thing I'll do, um, I'll sip blue Powerade and water. Um, I have a habit of drinking a lot of water when I'm nervous, um, which isn't the worst thing in the world, but I'll actually throw my electrolyte balance off sometimes because I'm mm-hmm. constantly sipping on my water. So it's really important for me to have a Powerade or even just looking salt every now and then um, mm-hmm. to just really keep that balance in place. And then about 15 to 30 minutes before the swim start, I'll eat some cliff blocks. Yeah, that's good. That's a great, I like that you said you force yourself to eat because that's a, something I see, you know, as a coach with a lot of athletes and I've had a lot of conversations about with athletes is so often, you know, nerves. One of the things that nerves does is it, it, that makes you not want to eat. Um, but, and a lot of times athletes will get so wrapped up in that and they just won't be hungry and they won't force themselves. You will feel that on the run. No matter how well you feel on the bike, you will feel the lack of breakfast on the run. Um, it will affect you. And so forcing the food into you 
Um, even if it's like one of those, like I, you know, sometimes it can be good to say, okay, if you know that it's really hard for you to eat in the morning and it's going to take you a long time, get up earlier. It's just the way that it is because it's better to get that food in you. You don't sleep well the night before a race anyways. So you're, you're, you're up early anyways. So get up. You won't notice the lack of extra half hour lack of sleep. It's better to get the food in you. Um, so I, yeah, I think that's definitely a piece that people really struggle with, um, and forcing it. Mm -hmm. You do. I mean, I do. It's like, nobody likes to eat at four in the morning. Terrible time to eat food. (laughs) Um, well, and kind of, so I guess kind of on that kind of, you know, we're still on this kind of like race day and stuff topics. Our next question really kind of has to do with tapering and the taper crazies that everybody gets. Um, and so the question was, how do we manage, manage the taper crazies? Um, why do we, you know, why do we get them and what should taper, um, kind of look like? So for those of you that maybe don't totally understand, you know, aren't are new, newer to triathlon or not really in the endurance world, taper is a time frame right before your race where you kind of bring the volume down, you start to kind of absorb everything and you hope to peak and freshen up and be ready for your race. Um, and it's a time frame where a lot of athletes start to get a little crazy. They get antsy. Maybe they start to feel niggles. And it's something that is very challenging to navigate and to do well. And the idea of taper has really changed over the years. Um, so what, I guess from, for you, Erin, what is it that you struggle with the most during taper? And how do you manage kind of some of that thought process? Um, you know, I've been, so I was a swimmer from age six to age 22. So I've been doing the taper thing for a long time. Um, and through that, I've really learned to not really pay attention too much to how my body's feeling. Um, as you start to decrease your volume, you're gonna feel all different types of things. You might feel like crap, like two days before, because your body's just adjusting and it's healing and it's not used to doing not as much. And that's okay. As my club swim coach always told me, you can feel like a billion bucks or a single peso and you're still capable of going fast. Um, So Mm -hmm. just ignoring how your body's feeling and trusting that you'll be ready to go and that you've done the work. Um, I know some people struggle with wanting to do more during taper and feeling like they're not doing enough. I've never had that. I've always just enjoyed my break um, and just enjoy yeah. the time to watch TV and stuff. Um, but I think the big thing for me is just to kind of ignore the aches and pains my body goes through through taper and just learning to trust myself and my body. Yeah. I've actually found oh, it seems like having to really, as a coach, really having to change kind of people's perception of what taper looks like is, is people want to think that, Oh, it's taper. That means that we do nothing. Like I really <laughs> found that, like, I have to like really get athletes to be like, no, like mm. you still, we don't necessarily do nothing and we don't necessarily not have volume. We just kind of adjust the volume a little bit. And, and, and we also have to kind of really look at maybe, you know, when you look at taper a lot of different ways of like, okay, what's the, what's the point of this race for you? Do you have a different race that you're really training for is this your a race is it not uh because that will change how you taper and then kind of looking at like how you're feeling like if you are feeling all too fresh 
actually, because sometimes that can happen. Like you're feeling really, 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 really fresh, like over like a week or more out. We actually probably need to put some volume into you for that week because you're feeling too mm -hmm. fresh and we need to kind of get that balanced out. But if you're feeling really, you know, ready for taper, so to speak, then what we do is we decrease the volume, but we kind of increase the intensity or what you would say, like increase the sharpness and try to get you, you really focus on more activation. So it's really kind of a balance of that. Mm -hmm. And I think it is important to know, like our bodies crave movement. And so if we go from like training full volume for a long course triathlon race to, oh, it's race week, like I'm not going to do anything, you, your body will not respond for race day because you've actually rested too much. And so just, you have to really balance that. But management of like taper crazies, I think it's, you know, I always find I'm like crazy busy race week, like packing and maybe getting caught up on work or getting ahead on work and making sure the kids are ready and then making sure I have everything. Like I feel like there's always a lot going on. So if you, you can kind of like turn your attention to keeping you know, your life stress down, but, and then like focusing on maybe some of the other things that you let to the slide a little bit more often, it can help manage that like craziness that's going on in your brain. Um, yeah, I don't really struggle with tape. I either. think you brought up a good point um, is that the intensity still needs to get up. There's like two ways that you can do taper. And I think you can kind of play around with what works best for you, but if the volume drops, the intensity still has to stay really high. But if the intensity drops and the volume still has to stay pretty high and figuring out which one mm -hmm. works for you, like I'm pretty sure I do best with the volume dropping, but the intensity still staying high. So I stay sharp, um, but it can be different for different people, but you cannot take out the volume and take out the intensity. You're just going to no. feel flat or you'll out of shape. Come race day. So flat. You'll feel so flat. Yeah. Whereas I am kind of a volume type person. Like tomorrow I'm swimming 3K and biking for two hours. And I am even doing a um, 90 minute bike on Thursday, 40 minute run or 40 minute swim and four by two minutes off the bike. Like I've got good volume still. Um so mine's kind of like a combination with, with activation work. So like everything in there is, um, you know, two minutes hard, two minutes super easy, or, you know, kind of really focusing on staying really, you know, activated with some higher yeah. volume work. Like today I did one minute on one minute off for an hour on the bike, um, to keep my neuromuscular system activated. Um, so yeah, taper is a tough one. It's, it's hard to get right. Um, and it's a definite balance of managing life stress and training stress at the same time. I actually think that more people need to focus on like when they get to the race and management of that. Reducing life right? stress. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Cause a lot of times like, right. We, we get there, we get excited. We want to go, we want to go to the pro panel. We want to go to the, athlete talk we want to go check out the village we want to do this we want to do that we want to do this we got to see people that will wear you out way more than maybe doing a little more volume earlier in the week mm -hmm. but, but, but that's hard because that's like the energy and the atmosphere that you want to be a part of um 
So I think you need to be, people need to be more protective of like the last couple of days um, and, you know, staying out of the sun and staying off their feet to what, to the extent they can. And, you know, focusing from that sleep. Sleep. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Because as we mentioned before, right, the day before the race, like you don't really get very good sleep. So you actually need to get your best sleep Mm -hmm. one or two days before that day. That's when you're going to get the most out of yourself. Um, So paper's tough one. Awesome. Okay. Question that we had, um, which I thought about maybe moving to after Oceanside because we kind of seem to have like a theme here, but um, I decided to put it in here and it was just a quick question. I got it from um, one of our athletes and it was, she was wondering how often she should get a bike fit. Um, Cause she hadn't had one in a mm-hmm. while. Um, and I think you should get one at least once a year personally. And then dependent on you as an athlete that might even need to happen more. Um, bike fitting mm-hmm. is really important. Yeah, I was going to say at least once a year, um, if you're newer to riding, I get one every four months or so. Like, I know when I first got my bike, I got so much more comfortable on the bike and was sitting in completely, like, different positions because I figured out where to sit, where I felt like I was generating the most power, Um, and that all affects your bike fit. Um, they are expensive, but they're also definitely worth the money. Mm-hmm. They're very worth the money and it's, it's worth it to spend the money on an, a really good bike fit. Um, versus just getting like a semi mediocre bike fit. Um, because you can prevent niggles, you can increase your power output. You can increase your speed by having a really good bike fit. Um, and you have to remember like your body is changing every year, all year. You're either, maybe you're getting more mobile. Maybe you're getting stronger. You're getting more confident on the bike. Maybe you have an accident or something happens. Um, like I had to do a pretty big shift and change after I got hit by the car at Arizona um, because my shoulder has less mobility in it. And so I can't, I previously had my you know elbows pretty close together and I have, I had a hard time with that because I couldn't sink into it. And so things happen and it's important to kind of, you know, address that and to change. Um, and it can make, you know, a really big difference. So, um, yeah, I definitely recommend bike fits very often. Um, and it tends to be one of my first questions when people come to me and they're like, I'm having this pain or I really am struggling. It's like, okay, well, when did you get your last bike fit? Let's, let's rule that out first. And then we can go from there. Um, and oftentimes it's like, oh, no, I got one like over a year ago. I was like, okay, well, let's get that, <laughs> see what that does. And then we can maybe continue to address some of these other pieces. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of bike fitters too, who will do a full like PT analysis with you during your bike fit to maybe find issues that are causing you issues on the bike To Um, like I recently discovered my spine isn't moving very well disc by disc um so that was causing me to sit funny on my bike I was really really sitting on top of my pubic bone because I couldn't 
arch my back through the vertebrae. I could only bend it at the bottom one. So that's what I was doing. And that was causing a lot of issues um, with my seating and saddle sores and stuff. But a bike fitter in combination with my PT were able to figure that out. Now I'm in a position on the bike where I'm comfy and riding well again. Yes. I think that was a great point. And those are the kind of bike fits that are really important and that you definitely need to focus on. Um, and finding someone who does kind of, like you said, can look at you from a mechanical standpoint, um, and what your body does from a mechanical standpoint makes a huge difference. So, yeah. Or the other thing they looked at is I've had two labrum surgeries in my hips in the past. Um, so my hips were really going into protection mode when I had longer crank arms. So they actually put shorter crank arms, significantly shorter crank arms on my bike. So my hips not in a protection mechanism the whole time. And yeah. I think that's helped a lot too. Probably one of the reasons why your power output is so much higher right now lately. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> it makes a difference. So. Awesome. Okay. Well, that is all of our questions for the day. We're here. So um, thank you everybody for all your questions. Um, our next episode, we will be, yeah, we'll give you guys an Oceanside recap, which hopefully fingers crossed, we have, Ooh. you know, good things, good things to say about the day. And um, yeah, we'll share kind of all things Oceanside in our next episode. So thanks everybody for joining us today. Hope you enjoyed the show. And as a reminder, you can send us your questions at www.whereyourfeettakeyou.com slash podcast. And yeah, we'll see you all after Oceanside or at Oceanside. Hopefully if we are around at Oceanside, please say hi. We'd love to see you. Yeah. And if you're racing, go kick some ass. Woo! <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Good luck. Bye. Mm-hmm.